Happy Labor Day to all of you. It's so good to have you all here. Some of our people are off enjoying that last hurrah of summer before all of the routines of fall come on us, and uh, so we pray for them also that they will come back to us safely. Today is another milestone in my life. It's been a privilege to serve you as your lead pastor for these past several months. And I kind of had some wishes throughout this year in preparation for our uh, new lead pastor. I wanted there to be our church directory, phone director and everything, all up to date so he would have the latest information. But I also wanted to have a pictorial director. And I just dreamed and fantasized about how that might happen. And I'll tell you, you may believe in a tooth fairy. I believe in the picture fairy because... Ron and Cindy Bush, and you'll need to thank them, did an incredible job. And as soon as that hits our uh, website and whatnot, you'll be able to download that. And we'll have some copies if you don't have a computer and whatnot. But especially for Pastor Kurt, Tammy, and Lucas, it will be such an invaluable help to have that. It's easy for you. You've got three names to memorize. A little harder for them. They've got 300 names to memorize. And uh, so thank you for that gift. Also, next Sunday, we'll be having, in between the two services, a ministry fair in which we will talk about the various ministries that our church does across the lifespan. This will be a unique experience, and so I trust you'll plan to come uh, for that. If you're second service people, to come an hour earlier so you can be a part of that at 1020. And then if you're uh, first service, that you will stay. And hopefully you will each make that choice every Sunday morning to stay for that Bible education hour or to come a little earlier for that Bible education hour and impress the socks off our new pastor. (laughs) And then, also next week, starting name tag Sundays. Okay, for the first three Sundays in September, you're going to be all having name tags like I do. I will not feel out of place because you're all going to join me and go to one of our stations that will be out in the foyer area and make sure you get a name tag again to help our new pastor and his family. Then, our sanctuary. Look at this. Beautiful. Amazing. Few finishing touches and so on to put uh, up and around, but the sanctuary phase one is just about done. Not quite. We've got some acoustical panels to put up and uh, to have a last sound check from Morgan Sound to get us all wonderful, so that everybody can hear crystal clear as if you were the only one in the room. Only I don't want you to be the only one in the room. I want you. <laughs> I want you inviting your friends to come and to be a part. So. Pastor Kurt is coming. We'll welcome him next Sunday, and then we'll have an installation service on the 14th, the second Sunday of September. And that's a special rite in the Covenant Church that you're going to want to come and be a part of. We'll have two services starting next Sunday, 9 o'clock sharp, not 9 o'clock-ish, 9.30, you know. And also then at 11.15 will be our second service, and uh, there will be a reception in between uh, the two services on installation Sunday, September the 14th. And the next few weeks are a very, very critical time for you to invite family and friends also to think about those who you haven't seen around in a while and so on to come back and check out what's happening at Faith Covenant Church and to see the ministries that are happening here and maybe they're going to jump back on board with a new pastor leading us and uh, all sorts of things to accomplish here in Sumner as well as around the globe and to see what God is doing here. 
And I want you to think about ways and pray about ways that you can help make it comfortable. Because sometimes when you've been gone a little while from something, it's awkward coming in. <clears throat> it's kind of awkward when you uh, have to uh, kind of break the ice all over again. So there's ways that you all can befriend them and encourage them to come back and to feel accepted and a warm welcome as they come. Uh, today I'm going to do something a little different. It's not quite a sermon per se, although there are many truths from God's Word you can take and apply to your heart and life. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about our next pastor and how it is that we should treat them. Our council has been busy accomplishing another task that I hope would be all set, and it's not quite all set, but it's well uh, on the way, and that is to do job descriptions for the various committees and uh, groups in our church and individual staff and volunteer and so on, so that we'd have these to help us understand the ministries that we do in the church and how you might want to become involved in that. And so I wanted to just read a couple samples of the job descriptions here. For the pastor, they're able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, more powerful than a locomotive, faster than a speeding bullet, walk on water, and make policy with God. That, that's the senior pastor's role, which I am relinquishing. <laughs> because you see, I'm an associate pastor. My job description is able to leap short buildings in a bound or two, and as powerful as a switch engine, and just as fast as a speeding bullet, walks on water if the sea is really calm, and talks with God. But it could be worse. We could be Greg and the worship arts uh, director and so on. He leaps short buildings with a running start, almost as powerful as a switch engine, faster than a speeding BB, walks on water if he knows where the stumps are, and is occasionally, <laughs> and is occasionally addressed by God. And then there's also our faithful children's workers and youth workers and office help and custodial help and so on. Uh, they run into small buildings. They recognize locomotives two out of three times. They use a squirt gun. They know how to use the water fountain. And they mumble to themselves a lot. And then last but not least is Joe. The real mechanism of this whole church family that keeps all of us on track she lifts buildings and walks under them. <clears throat> she kicks lo locomotives off the track. She catches speeding bullets in her teeth. She freezes water with a single glance. And when God speaks, she says, May I ask who's calling? So those job descriptions are coming right along. <clears throat> and I know you think that your pastor is Superman, uh, but I think this three- to four-year-old boy several years ago when I was interim pastor at another church here in the Puget Sound area, I think he got it right. When he came into the men's room, and I was standing at the urinal, and uh, he comes up behind me, kind of sets a hand on my cheek, looks around, notices that I'm taking a leak, and he says... Daddy, I didn't know pastors had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> okay, now you can start taking notes. <clears throat> because I don't want you someday to say, you know, I wish somebody had told us this. Okay, and that's kind of the theme of today. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to our text in Hebrews chapter 10. 
Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews is way towards the back. Revelation, a little bit too far, just before the book of James, just, before, just after the T's and the P's. It's good to hear the pages rustling. That will also impress the socks off our new pastor, by the way. In the first few verses there of our text this morning, in chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened to us through the curtain, that is his body. The whole idea there of being spiritually cleansed. I think as we prepare for a new era in our church, we need to take some personal time, some small group time, and some corporate time to think about how to be right with our Lord so that we might hear His Holy Spirit's promptings and leadings, that we might change behaviors in our personal life, in our home and family life, in our church life, and how we are perceived by our community about us. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are you cleansed? And then in verse 23, it goes on to express love with hope. Why? Because God is so faithful to us. And it says there in verse 23, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. You can bank on it. You can count on it. Verse 24, basically saying, bring out the best in others. Bring out the best in others. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. How is it that we can bring that out? And again, thinking about our personal lives and our families and homes, our church family, our community, and in our new pastor and his family. How can we bring out the very best? I know there's a lot of things that we can do that don't bring out the best. How do we focus on that? Then in verse 25, the writer of Hebrews says, Let us not give up meeting together, as is the habit of some, but let us encourage one another, and all the more, as we see the day approaching. And that's a whole sermon in itself, but let me just comment to you that, first of all, it talks about attendance, being present. One of the ways that you can support our new pastor and one another is by coming and being a part. It's by having accountability partners, somebody, a brother or sister or two, to help hold us accountable. It's about being involved in a small, small group where you're known, where people understand who it is you are and what makes you tick. They get to know you and then can encourage you along the way. It's by bringing guests, people to come and to be a part of that, entering into the small groups or into our church family. And we are to encourage those that we notice are around us, and to think of ways we can encourage those who are absent and need to be here with their God. Pastors tell me, it's so hard working with some of the people that I got stuck with. And there's an old saying, to dwell above with the saints that I love, oh, that will be glory. But 
to live below with the saints I know, that's a whole other story. <laughs> and now take and flip over to chapter 13 in your Bible. In verse 1 of chapter 13 of Hebrews there, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Keep on loving each other. Remember this spring we started off with uh, Love Dare and did that series to talk about what real love is in the body of Christ? And during those seven weeks, we learned a lot of things. My question would be, how many are we practicing? How many became a part of our lives? And how it is that we relate to one another? We are to call to love one another and I would say that that means we're called to love our pastor. And that Love Dare series is based on 1 Corinthians 13 as well as other texts. Are we practicing 1 Corinthians 13 love? And then in verse 2, it says we're to uh, go and to visit people and to encourage people to come into our homes and whatnot. And I think it's really important to have your pastor into your home. To have a dinner for him or to uh, have a coffee time or some cookies or something where he can get to know you better and you can get to know him better. Today it seems like we've gotten larger and nicer homes than ever, but we do far less entertaining in those homes. Hospitality is a lost art of the church, I believe. And we need to revive that. And then, in verse 3, it goes on to say that Remember those in prison as if you were fellow prisoners and those who are mistreated as well as, uh, as if you yourself were being mistreated. And I think that part of what that's saying is that it is not Pastor Kurt and Pastor Donna's job to do all the visiting. That all of us as the body of Christ, just I would, like I wouldn't want my finger to drop off and every so often come alongside of me and be useful, it's the same way with the body of Christ. We're all parts of that body of Christ. Every one is necessary. It says in James 5 verse 14 that when you're sick, when you have a need of some sort, call the elders. Those are the lay people. Those are the rest of your brothers and sisters in Christ in addition to what Donna and Pastor Kurt may do of visitation. And in verse 4 it talks about the marriage should be honored. And here we need to allow our pastor to honor his wife and his child and to spend time with them and to make sure that there's a quality relationship and ways that we can encourage and be of help uh, to them on that. And then verses 5 and 6 talk about money. Wow, almost so quiet you could hear a dollar bill drop. <laughs> money is a reflection. It's a symbol of who and what we are and how we choose to live our lives. And if we are choosing to live them for our Lord, a member of a church was gravely ill and about to die, but unbeknownst to him, he had suddenly inherited a million dollars. His family was struggling with, how do we tell him in such a way that won't tip him over the edge and, and kill him? And uh, the pastor said, you know, let me try. I think I can do this without giving him a heart attack. And so the pastor went to the old man's room and says, George, George, yeah, George, what would you do if you had a million dollars? George thought for a moment or two, and he says, I think I'd give it all to the church. <laughs> the pastor had a heart attack. 
So if you want to get rid of a pastor, a million dollars. Do you realize that there is no seminary course on fundraising? And yet most of our churches expect the pastor to be the fundraiser, to give the pep talks, to rally the troops and so on. Last year, we saw in our church family one of those incredible moments in time that you like to just freeze frame. As all of you, the members of Faith Covenant Church, got together and averted some necessary things that we were going to have to do if we did not uh, give a little more substantially. And things changed and reversed, and many people were involved in that and a part of that. There's good news and bad news. The good news is that our church has all the money it needs to do what God has called us to do. The bad news is it's still in your pockets. <clears throat> we'll be taking the offering in a little bit, and you can solve that problem. You see, giving is worship. The Bible sets it up in Malachi chapter 3 that giving is to be first fruits. It's to be off the top, not the leftovers for Jesus. It's off the top. It's the first act that we do in worshiping our God and thanking God for the other 90% that he's given to us to live our lives. And so giving is worship. In verses uh, 7 through 9, it's important you give him time to just hang with God, to just be there with his Lord. It's interesting as we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, Already in the first two, three chapters in that series, we saw several times where Jesus went apart to be with his heavenly Father. By golly, if Jesus has to do it, I dare say each of us and me needs to do it as well, to be with our God, to be with our Lord. And so study days and study leaves are important for your pastor. Uh, if you've got a cabin, uh, you know, uh, that you would like to loan, first tell me, no, uh, Tell Pastor Kurt and uh, make that available to him if that can work out uh, to be kind of a haven, to just be with his God. Because when he is with his God, we will benefit from that. In verse 17, an interesting verse with a word that we don't like all that much. It says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. That's a powerful, powerful verse. Think about it. We are to follow our leader, literally, not just that children's game, but we are to follow our Lord through our pastor and as shown to us by our pastor. And the fact that it repeats that line, obey, twice, means pay attention. This is important. Don't miss this. We are to follow his lead. We're to pull alongside of him. It's not sending him off to do all our ministry while we sit here and listen to nice, pious words. It's to be a part of it in the trenches with your pastor as he leads us and as we are by his side. And then in verse 18, pray for us. We have to be praying for our pastor. And not just, oh, that's right, Bill told me I better say something quick. And that takes care of it. But be in prayer. Think of your pastor. Think of things that he may need or prayers that he might want. Just protection from Satan. One of the things I've found in all my 40-some years of ministry is that whenever the church is going well, 
this church has had a lot of things that could have gone wrong. It has gone well. But whenever it's going well, Satan's not happy, and he's going to attack. You can count on it. You can bet on it. But remember, Christ is victorious. Satan will not hold the day. And so in verse 18, pray, and we see the results in verses 20 and 21, that we get peace, that we are equipped for ministry, we're equipped to defeat Satan, and we pray for a hedge of protection around our pastor, and we are doing the will of God, and we are pleasing our God. I want to offer our new pastor a gift in the next few moments by saying some things that your new pastor could never tell you, so I will do it. Let me just share these thoughts. Be your pastor's friend. Be your pastor's friend. Invite your pastor and his family into your home or out to eat. Do some fun things together. Build relationships with your pastor and his family. See that Tammy and Lucas have friendships as well and that your friendship, it will be valued. Secondly, express appreciation on a regular basis. On a regular basis, say thank you. Not just when you go out the doors, if he chooses to greet you there. You see, your pastor needs to know his efforts are appreciated, and he needs to know that regularly. Authentic uh, um, ways of telling him, genuine ways and expressions, not just cliches. And something that you've prayed about and thought about. I've gotten some cards just in my short time here that have just been so wonderful and so heartwarming for me, and they came from you. This one, your recent sermon, You Are Not Alone from Joshua and Psalms and Matthew, was such a blessing and encouragement. You don't know what that does to read that. Or a little note from here. Just a little note to tell you that you are much appreciated. Thanks so much. You have sacrificed so much by being separated from Donna. We're not separated, by the way, we're... Uh, Or this one here, we will pray always for you and remember you and your concerns. Um, Powerful to get those kinds of expressions. And I know you can do Twitter, blogging, and all that other stuff too. Uh, So whatever way is your choice to communicate, communicate with your pastor. A third one is take an interest in your pastor's family. Know their names. Give some information and know some information about them, like birthdays, anniversaries, and special uh, things coming up for them, special events, school, what grade, their age uh, for Lucas, and so on. By God's design, you are an extended family to your pastor. I never had, during my, all my years of ministry, the fortunate privilege of being in the same town as my family. I was always talked about as the foreign missionary because I was a few states away or clear across the United States. And the church family became kind of a surrogate family, surrogate grandparents for my children. And there are many people that they look back at as being those special people in their lives. Fourth, encourage your pastor to take breaks. Jesus did. Pastor Kurt needs to as well. Uh, to take his days off, to take his vacation time. A lot of pastors don't. And I think it hurts not only them and their family, but I think it hurts the church. 
Also time to go to like the Covenant Midwinter Conference, which is a pastor's gathering in February, um, or the pastor's retreat each fall. When a pastor works diligently, he must play just as diligently. All work, no play. You know the rest of that. Now I'm going to meddle for a minute. I'm going to talk about money. Help your pastor to build equity, financial equity. Uh, We don't know what their housing situation will be over time and so on. They're renting to start with and so on. Many pastors come to the end of their careers and all of a sudden realize, I don't have a house. The church needs it for their next pastor. I I have nothing that has any kind of equity. And there's many pastors that are on the poor straight, basically, because uh, we didn't think ahead of how they would have the advantage that the rest of us have over time. And so make sure, because your pastor will someday retire, that you have done your part as a church to help. Sometimes it can be an interest-free loan or a help with a down payment because it might be hard for the pastor to ask, you should offer it. Number six, refuse to gossip about your pastor or his family. We're having a pastor for dinner all too literally sometimes. Because Sunday conversations, I, I know, because when you go and have Sunday dinner with a family, their children kind of talk. Well, remember last Sunday when we talked about Pastor Bill? And uh, dissecting your pastor or his family over Sunday dinner is wrong, and it's a lousy example for your children. A lousy example for your children. Because what you are teaching them is gossip and how to do it. Gossip is a way of life for some people. And it is always wrong to gossip as a Christian. Refuse to practice such behavior. Look for what is good and right, not what is wrong. Seven, go directly to your pastor with any concerns. Your counsel is not elected to be messengers of yours to go and keep your name anonymous while they go and face you with whatever the issue is. I've often said that if you can't sign your name to it, you shouldn't be saying it in the first place. And if you can't sign your name to it, I generally won't honor it. I read it, I look at it, and I give it to the Lord, and the Lord tells me if it's something I need to pay attention to, but I don't give it a lot of stock. Because I would rather us practice Matthew 18, 15 through 17, and encounter one another face to face and be able to be real. I have found that many of you are able to do that, and I believe that's part of the reason why we have clicked in this season that we've had together. Let's remember that and talk honestly in our conversations with an attitude of humility and of forgiveness as we speak to one another with our pastor. Number eight, provide adequately for your pastor's needs, and I touched on this a little bit earlier, but your pastor has come by God's call to serve us, not to be our slave. And sometimes how we take care of one another it looks more like slavery than it does servanthood. Worrying about finances is very, very draining, very, very distracting from what God has called Pastor Kurt here in our midst to do. And even in the tough times, find creative ways to say, we can't do more financially at this moment, but here's something tangible that we can do to express how much we appreciate you and your ministry amongst us in our church. Number nine, and it shouldn't be at the bottom, it probably should have been at the top of the list as well as all the way through, and that is to pray for your pastor. 
I have felt that. I know several of you because you've identified yourselves to me. And I hope that you will pass that baton on now and pray for our new pastor, Pastor Kurt. And I want others of you to kind of join along with that and to be in prayer for your pastor. In your small groups, in your families, in your uh, homes. Uh, pastor is a calling, not a job. And it brings with it fierce spiritual uh, opposition. Satan doesn't like it. And prayer is one of our best weapons to tie Satan's hands. And then number 10. This list is just a start. There's as much creativity as there are in the number of people sitting out here this morning. Think of ways that you can support your pastor and uplift him in his ministry here. The important thing is that you actually care for your pastor and his family rather than just assume that somebody else is going to do it and that he's taken care of. The benefits will accrue for you, they will accrue for your pastor and his family, and for the entire congregation and our church's witness I love in Acts chapter, well, several chapters actually, it repeats a phrase that gets overlooked a lot of times. It says, they found favor among all people. I want that to be said of our church. Faith Covenant Church has found favor among all people. And that they see that in our example of how we treat our pastor and one another. I am now your associate pastor once again. The benefits will accrue for you and for each of us on the staff, each of us in leadership, lay leadership in the church, each of us as believers in Jesus Christ. And I'm excited to continue to be a part of that for a season and to be in your midst for a season. Thank you. Thank you, every single one of you, for a wonderful, wonderful journey. I've loved it. And when people ask me, hey, how's it going? I'm having the time of my life. And I love it. Let's pray. God, as we continue on our journey as Faith Covenant Church, a long legacy of following you, of making choices and decisions, some of them very, very difficult, but sensitive to your Spirit's leading, and you have led us, and you have been faithful, and you have never let us down. We have never felt forsaken. Thank you. Lord, now as Pastor Kurt leads us to continue this journey, may he and may we be sensitive to your Holy Spirit's leading. This morning as we give, and especially as we recommit our lives to you, Lord, may we commit ourselves to be there for our pastor. We pray this in your name. Amen.